Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of, which, of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word that it is a lamp to our feet, that it lightens the path before us, that we can learn more about you and your ways and your purposes. And God, thank you uh, for Paul and the way that he listened to you and followed you and revealed you to Christians he met, uh, those new Christians in the first century. But God, this scripture is good news for us today too. And so we pray that you would shine a light on it, that you would reveal more of who you are, that we would continue to be transformed as we spend some time looking at it and trying to understand it and see what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last May, uh, you might remember it was actually really sunny uh, last May, and I had a few days holiday, and uh, we decided to go on a little road trip for four days around the north coast of Scotland. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, there's a picture there on the screen. We hired a camper van, uh, we loaded up, and we set off. It was about 23 degrees every day. Does that, has that ever happened in Scotland, ever before? Uh, it was bright sunshine, the gauze was in sort of full bright yellow bloom and the blue skies just framed the majestic views uh, that we encountered around every corner. And I was literally sat in the front of this camper van, that is, that is a picture taken through the screen of the camper van. Uh, I was just sat in the front of this camper van drinking in one incredible view after another. And every so often, I would look back and catch my children looking at their screens. And I would be like, look out of the window. And they were going, we are looking out of the window. We just looked out for two whole minutes. And I was like, 
you're missing out on these incredible views. I just desperately wanted them not to miss out on the glorious scenery that we were driving through. In our passage today, uh, Paul is challenging these Christians in Corinth to not miss out, to not miss out on the incredible power of the glory of God available to them through the Holy Spirit. To not just be focusing on the fleeting glimpses of the glory of God that are part of their Jewish history and think that is it. What is revealed in the old covenant, in the time of Moses, that is the fullness of God for me now. No, Paul is saying, look out of the window. There is so much more. Look up. The Spirit is, uh, is here. Unveil your faces. Look at the vista. Be transformed. And that, in a nutshell, is what this passage is about. Before we go any further in this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a quick reminder uh, about the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. First of all, the Old Covenant is the agreement made between the people of Israel and God. They had to follow the law. They had to uh, keep the commandments, make regular sacrifices for their sin. And in return, God would protect them and bless them. Now, the problem was, was that the people on their part weren't very good at at keeping their part of the bargain. Uh, And it just highlighted time and again their need for a savior. In the new covenant, through Jesus, God makes a covenant, a promise with humanity that he will forgive sins and bring us back into relationship with him now and for eternity. And the new covenant, as we know, is not based on what we can do, like making sacrifices or obeying the law, because we'd already shown we weren't very good at that. But it's about what Jesus has done for us. In Hebrews 10.10, we read, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The new covenant is all about that free gift of grace. So back to 2 Corinthians. Now, the Christians in Corinth had been questioning earlier on at the validity of Paul's ministry, his integrity and reliability. And so here, starting in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, we find Paul encouraging them to see him as much as an apostle of God, filled with the glory of God, as Moses was whose integrity and spiritual credentials uh, are never brought into question. Alongside this, Paul is desperate for the Corinthians in Corinth not to miss out on all that God has for them because they're too wrapped up in the old covenant just to see how glorious the new covenant in Jesus that they've been invited into by Jesus is. So what we see Paul doing here in verses 7 to 11 is drawing on something that would have been really familiar to the Jews at this time, these new Christians who have this Jewish heritage. And that is the history of Israel taught in the scriptures. He uses this history to just help them to get it. 
In particular here, he focuses on Exodus 32 to 34. And this is the story of when uh, Moses, having come down Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, had discovered, if you remember, the Israelites had built an idol, a golden calf, and were worshipping that. Uh, and so outrage, you're imagining Charlton Heston at this moment, smashing the Ten Commandments. I know you are, because I was. Um, he goes back up at the mountain a second time to plead with God on behalf of the Israelite people. And when he returns down the mountain a second time, having been in the presence of God and having glimpsed the glory of God, Moses' face has changed. It's described as shining with the glory of God. But the Israelites are afraid of him. And so from that time on, Moses veils his face. He doesn't do it because his face was so glowy, it blinded them. But it was there, the veil was there because it almost prevented the Israelites being destroyed. You see, because the Israelites couldn't obey the law, they couldn't stop sinning, they couldn't gaze upon the glory of God, which was seen in Moses' face. And their hearts were hard. In the words of verse 14 here in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says that their hearts were veiled. Their hearts were veiled. And so their hard hearts created a barrier between them and the glory of God. And so Paul is using here this example of the glory of God, which had to be veiled on Moses, as an analogy of ministry in the old covenant, comparing it with his ministry in the new covenant, where because Jesus has come and redeemed people and the whole of creation and the Spirit is with us all, we can all fully and freely experience the glory of God with unveiled faces. We are not going to be destroyed when we're in the presence of God, when we're filled with the Spirit. It's like our faces are unveiled. He's basically saying, you had the stone, the law written on stone, literally, but now you have the Spirit living in you. Don't miss out by thinking that it was all about that. At the moment, uh, my front garden looks pretty much like this picture that's going to come up on the screen here. It's pretty drab, not much is happening. There are some leaves on the bushes, as you see, uh, but everything is pretty bare. There's not much beauty or signs of life. But that's not the end of the story. I know that there is life in that garden. In the spring, buds will form on my azaleas. Things will come to bloom, and it will look a little bit like this sometime around May. What is hidden now will become a reality. Paul is saying here in verses 7 to 11, you know that the old covenant led to condemnation to death because people just couldn't obey the law. So why settle for that ministry, when the new covenant 
is all about ministry in the spirit. It's about forgiveness that leads to new life and hope. Tom Wright, who's a theologian and writer, puts it like this. He's challenging them to not look for the real glory, even even though at the moment they can't see it, to listen for the hidden power of the gospel music, even though at the moment their heads are filled with the transient power of what their culture gives them. He's challenging them to look for the real glory, not just to focus on the transient power of what their culture gives them. I remember uh, when I was about 10 years old, my mum and dad promising me, because we were moving house around that time, uh, promising me that when we moved to our new house, uh, they would get me a pink beanbag for my bedroom. And I hung on to that promise, and I reminded my parents on a regular basis in that irritating 10-year-old type way uh, of the promise that they had made to me. I scoured the pages of the Argos catalogue. Who else used to just do that on a Saturday afternoon? I loved it. And, and I would leave the pages uh, which showed the beanbags, uh, you know, in obvious places around the house uh, for my mum to see. And I waited and I waited. And I never got my beanbag. I know, it's absolutely tragic. You know, I think all my now problems that I face in my life stem back to that moment, actually. Um, I'm obviously scarred for life. And I remember telling my husband uh, about this story of the pink beanbag and how I had never got it. And uh, we have one of those, oh, isn't it funny how important things are to you when you're 10 years old moments. And then a few years later, it was my birthday, and yes, you've guessed it, I walked into my lounge, and there was this huge box, and in the box was a pink beanbag, but not any old pink beanbag. It was actually a pink Big Bertha, which is one of those huge, giant, indoor, outdoor uh, type beanbags. I'd always just wanted one of those little round kiddies beanbags. You know, uh, but when I did eventually get my beanbag 25 years late, um, it blew my expectations of what I thought I wanted at age 10. Sometimes God does that for us as well, doesn't He? We pray about something, we just keep praying, and maybe God never answers our prayer in the way we expected. Perhaps you're going through a time like that at the moment where you're relentlessly praying for somebody or something. But don't give up because sometimes God answers our prayers in the most unexpected ways, in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine ourselves. When we think we know everything about God, we sometimes discover there's just so much more to know. And this is what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's saying, you know, you had the stone and you thought that was it, but now you have the spirit. You had the law which was written on tablets of stone. And even though it was glorious and it pointed you to God, it brought judgment and condemnation. But the spirit, well, that's even more glorious as it brings grace and righteousness and life in all its fullness. And this is not just barren theory, but it's a spiritual reality. Even when we go through times of real suffering, 
where life just feels hard every day, because we're filled with the Spirit of God, we can, like Paul, have that deep confidence that in Jesus there is life, there is hope, there is and there will be beauty. And somehow, amongst it all, we're able to still get glimpses of the glory of God. And so Paul then goes on uh, in verse 12 following to show what this actually look like, looks like. When we have this confidence in the Spirit with us, the glory of God with us, we can have confidence, as he says in verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are very bold. Because we have this hope, we can be or we are bold. We don't need to be like Moses, who had to hide under a veil so that people couldn't see the glory of God. No, we can be exactly the opposite of that. We need to be bold, confident that the Spirit is with us. And if the glory of God is available now through Jesus, we need to enable people to see the glory of God and the hope that he can bring. We need to, if you like, pull back the veil. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing to be afraid of. What would it look like for you and I to pull back the veil so that others might see the glory of God? Would it look like you and I having the courage to invite somebody along to church or to Alpha or something? Would it look like allowing yourself to speak more freely about what being a Christian means for you, telling something of your story of faith? Would it look like you living out the fruits of the Spirit, compassion, kindness, joy, patience, more readily in your work life, amongst your family? Despite his real suffering that Paul was going through, he has this incredible confidence in the knowledge that he is filled with the glory of God. Therefore, since we have that hope, we can be bold. And then he goes on and he says, there is also freedom. So we can be bold and we can also be free. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As people of the new covenant, you and I are filled with the Spirit of God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if we have the Spirit in us, we can be free. What do you and I need to be free from or free for? Freedom from having to conform to the patterns of this world. Freedom from having to be perfect, having to be perfect, or freedom from having to be successful. Freedom from that look or that comment that you've been carrying with you. Freedom from being trapped in that cycle of sin, or perhaps even freedom from carrying that burden of shame or guilt with you. Freedom to step into the new life that Jesus bought for you on the cross. 
freedom to receive, and then just wallow in the abundance of God's love for you. Freedom to receive more of God. Freedom to tell God really what's on your heart without holding back. Let's be confident that where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And so we can be confident and bold, and we can be confident to be free. And then lastly, to be transformed. Franz Kafka was a single man, never got married, never had children, and he died in 1924. Uh, He lived in Berlin, and one day, uh, when he was about 40 years old, he was walking through a park in Berlin where he lived, and he came across a little girl who was crying because she'd lost her favorite doll. Uh, And so he came and helped uh, this little girl try and look for her doll in this park. Uh, But their search was unsuccessful. And so they arranged to meet again the next day to carry on their search for the doll. And the next day, they did exactly the same. They looked for the doll. And when they couldn't find the doll, Kafka gave the little girl a letter. And this letter was written by the doll. And it said this, Please don't cry. I took a trip to see the world. I will write to you about my adventures. And this went on for a number of years. The girl and Kafka would meet up, and Kafka Kafka would bring letters that the, the doll had written all about her adventures around the world. And finally, Kafka brought back the doll. It was a new one he'd bought, in case you were interested. And the doll had returned from its adventures back to Berlin. And the girl looked at this doll and said, but it doesn't look like my doll at all. And Kafka handed her another letter in which the doll wrote about how she looked different because her travels had changed her. Her travels had changed her. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so as we go on this journey of life in the Spirit, filled with the glory of God, expect to continue to be changed to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And this transformation won't be because we've engaged in some 12-point plan or we've been on a course or we've tried really, really hard, but simply because we surrender our lives and our hearts to Jesus and decide to journey with him through our lives. The adventure will change us as we follow his ways because that's what happens simply when we spend time in the presence of God. We will be changed and we'll carry on being transformed and changed. So Moses' veil separated people from the glory of God. 
But when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The veil was torn in two. So that the way is now fully open for each one of us to be in the glory of God and to experience the freedom and the ongoing transformation that being in the presence of God brings. Let's just pray. God, what a privilege it is that we get invited into your presence. That every day you want to be with us. You have good gifts for us. You want to lavish your grace and forgiveness and love upon us. Help us to be confident in what we know of you. Help us to have confidence in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Help us to have confidence in your spirit who fills us and walks with us every day. And Lord, may that confidence give us courage and boldness to speak of you and to live of you. Lord, some of us need to grasp hold of the freedom and what that actually means that you have for us. For some of us, it might mean that we need to lay something down right now. Or even take something up as we continue this adventure with you. And Lord, maybe we never be people or a church who think we are there. There's always more of you. Help us to live with unveiled faces, looking for your glory, searching for your goodness, wondering at who you are and what you've done for us. May you continue to transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.